Um, hi, Ervin. Good to have you on the show. Hello, Hardy. It's good to be with you. So um, could you please tell us a little bit uh, more about yourself? Well, I don't really like to talk about myself, but you have to ask. It's not mm -hmm. easy, actually. Uh, I, I am a, I'm a philosopher, so to speak, because I just always thought about life and what it means, and I'm trying to live up to the, my ideas. But uh, I used to be a concert pianist, and then I got interested in these questions of life and meaning and the universe, and, and that, of course, I started reading up on it. Then I attended uh, lectures and got a degree at the Sorbonne at the, in Paris mm -hmm. and also in, in the United States. So a, a lot of complex things have happened, but I ended up being a, being a, a academic and then a freelance uh, thinker now and writer. I have to have 101 books to my name so far, and uh, different books, and about 400 articles. So uh, I produced a quite a good deal. And, and anything else that if, if I can tell you, you can ask me, I can try to answer. Okay, got it. So um, could you please, um, I think what everyone who's listening to this would love to hear is, um, could you please share with us, like, what are the ideas, what are the topics that fascinate you the most nowadays? Well, it's the same topics as have always fascinated me, you know. Here we are, alive and conscious. What does it mean? You know, and how can we live? How can we live well? How can we sane? How can we how can we be ethical so we don't disturb and 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 dis destroy others around us and the environment? How can we be aligned with each other and with the universe? I mean, these are the sort of the big questions of life, but they have always been what interested me, and obviously I look to science to to give as many basic answers as possible. And then nowadays, what I'm really interested in is, is connecting the answers that we get from science with uh, deep spirituality, with the experiences that we have. When we allow these deep uh, altered state consciousness experiences to surface to our mind and to inspire us, how can we get a deeper aspect, a deeper facet of this of these basic questions, of the answers from science, how can we approach those? How can we get to the truth, to the core? That's why my most recent book is, which will be published at, uh, in, in the end of March, uh, called uh, Reconnecting to the Core. The core or the source, actually reconnecting to the source. The source for me is the reality, is the basic reality of the physics of the universe that brought us forth and which is still our environment. We live in a universe, and we have to know how to live well in it, because otherwise we are destroying ourselves and destroying people around us. Mm. So um, how do we achieve that? Because I think nowadays so, so many people are interested in spirituality and, um, and, and those topics that you've mentioned, such as um, how to live a better life or how to live a good life. And um, what, what are the, the most important conclusions that you've had um, when it comes down to reconnecting with the source, so to speak? Well, the recognition that I have is a twofold recognition. One, that there is a meaningful source to the world. It's not a random universe. It's not just by chance that it happened the way it did. It would not have been time enough to produce 
all the complex coherent things, uh, planets and life and atoms and molecules and everything that, that we know that exists in the universe, there wouldn't have been time even in 13.8 billion years since the Big Bang, since the aftermath of the Big Bang, when these processes of, of complexification, of coherent coherence making, coherentification, you could say, have started. There wouldn't have been time for that uh, because it's so complex that random processes would not be able to produce the universe that we actually are observing. And as we exemplify ourselves, because we are a remarkable product of this of these evolutionary processes. And the second in, insight is that... Uh, so, so, so sorry to interrupt, but yes. what do you actually mean by saying that? That this isn't random? That the whole universe isn't random? Or like, That's right. That's right. Okay. Because, uh, of course, you and I know that, and perhaps we've always known that, but science, mainstream science, up until very recently, and it's still taught like that in many universities, believes firmly that the universe, as we observe it, is the result of random interactions. One thing is interacts with another without any guidance, without any higher purpose or, or, or wish or will. And all this produces then, through these random interactions, produces structures, and the structures are what we observe in the world. And this turned out, when it comes to the calculations to be the super supercomputers, that even if these processes would occur very fast, they would still not be able to explain the complexity and the coherence that we find in the world. So it's a non-random universe. I've written on that uh, a number of books just on this topic, and I'm mentioning it again in not so much detail, but I mean I'm mentioning it in, 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 in describing it. That's how... You know, the idea that things that would emerge from randomness, the probability for that is what Fred Hoyle, the great astrophysicist, said. The probability is similar to that of a, of a hurricane blowing through a scrapyard, assembling a working airplane, you know, from the scraps. So this is a, there is a probability, but it's almost infinitely small. So it's a non-random universe. And this non-random universe is, therefore, is not necessarily guided by any a consciousness and intelligence, but by something that is inherent in it, something that is guiding it. I call it an attractor. An attractor is is, is something that that uh, is a di di direction in which processes occur in a physical, or chemical, or, or altogether a physical based system. Mm -hmm. So there is something in the universe, and this something is is informs the whole universe because now we realize through the quantum sciences that information is distributed in the universe. It's like a hologram. All the information in the universe is in every part of it. So we are part of this universe and this information is in us. So whatever drives the universe and creates the galaxies, creates the biosphere, creates life, creates consciousness, all that is actually a core element which is in us because we are part of it. And all the information is also in us. Also, we can't decode it, obviously, with only a very, very minor segment of it, but it's in us. So the big lesson to my mind is to turn to insight, to oneself, to allow your 
deeper experiences, your deeper spirituality, because nowadays we call this deep, ex non-ordinary experiences. We can easily call them spiritual experiences. Mm. Allow those spiritual experiences to surface and to be a guide to your life. And um, I have a couple of questions on my mind, but um, why did you choose to call the book um, Reconnecting with the Source? Because I think the assumption here is that um, we aren't connected to it right now, right? We have, we have disconnected from the real source. Why? Otherwise, we wouldn't have all these problems. We wouldn't be destroying our environment. We wouldn't be doing violence to each other. Uh, the problems are all uh, problems of disbalance, which we have in the world today. And all this results because we have chosen to go in a way in which we look for an immediate benefit, immediate gains. We look for money and power and influence, and we look for immediate short-term satisfactions. And these we, we search for and acquire, even at the cost of doing long-term harm to each other, to the world, and ultimately, obviously, to, to ourselves. So we are not well connected at this point. When we have a conscious mind, that consciousness allows us to choose. We have this power to choose. Animals, simpler organisms don't have that power to choose the, the, what they believe in, how they, how they live. They live by instincts, by, by, the, by circumstances, by reflexes, and so on. They also have a mind, of course, and consciousness, but not at that level as ours. Mm. So we have started, at least in the last 100, 150 years, going on a way which is not nature's way, which is not the universe's way. This is not the way of the source. So we have to reconnect. We have to re-find our way again back to the real, uh, real base, how this world works, what it is that drives this world, that, that inspires this world. There is something, not only I'm saying it, Einstein was saying it, Max Planck is saying it, all the, uh, Carl Jung is saying it, all the great scientists are convinced that there is a higher level of spirituality, something that is behind the happenings, the events of this world. So um, let's talk about the root causes of us not being connected with the source, because um, I was just thinking about, because you've mentioned that, um, yeah, acquiring things, buying things, making money, that those seem to be issues. But um, for instance, um, that people want to make money, they want to create businesses. Uh, that's the reason why we are able to do this interview. That's why, like, so, so many people are now living a better life. So could you please share with us um, your thoughts on that? Like, what are the root causes on uh, being disconnected with the source? Short-term thinking. Short-term Non-holistic thinking, fragmented thinking. Separation, and Einstein said this very clearly, and so do, I think, all of the quantum scientists today. Separation is an illusion. We are not truly separate. This is why nothing happens purely by chance, because by chance, happening something by chance means that there are no, no connections to that thing, to anything else around it. So, see, we are really part, built into a whole process, and we have disregarded the larger context. Older thinking, older philosophies and classical thinkers were basically what we would today call holistic thinkers, Think, thinkers in terms of whole and context. We are separatist thinkers. We have turned into people 
whole cultures that focus only one thing at a time. That one thing can provide you, can provide you with, with the technical means, of course, to communicate. It can produce many wonderful things, but it loses the context. It, it loses the, the vision wow. of the, which means therefore ultimately it harms, it damages because the whole context is what we need to take care of. We are part of the whole context. If you if you forget that, then we are ultimately harming the context and harming ourselves. Mm. And I think um, I was just thinking about because um, I've read uh, quite a lot of Osho, but um, he um, he's also speaking about like a lot of people. Uh, for instance, you can clearly see it like when it comes down to religion, it's uh, really dividing people and separating people, and countries are separating people. So, do you think that in those things uh, are also uh, issues um, with them, with well, such as religion? Problem is religion, another big topic <laughs> that we would need with hours and hours to discuss. <laughs> and the problem is religion is not the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion is really trying to connect to the source. I think, by the way, that all the great prophets, whether it's Jesus or Muhammad or the Buddha, and whatever, whether we call it the God or, or the Tao or, or the great spirit, all the great religions were, were connecting to the source. They were all expressing this connection in some symbolic way, the symbols of their time, the ideas of their time. But the followers, of course, in religion, very often institutionalized religion. So it's not the spirit mm. of religion is the problem, it's the institutions of religion, which try to grab power. The history of religion is very much of, of institutions organizations for religion, with lots of exceptions, of course, but on the whole, the main organization trying to keep power so that they would say what needs to happen. They, they would be the dominant element in society. And using this, the, the letter of the, of the founders and not the spirit of the founders, to making dogmas out of, the, out of what this, uh, the founders have shared with them, the great insights, not only from religious prophets, but great artists, a great scientist, great philosophers, they all have the same connection. They all feel themselves, how they are connected. And young people today, when they're saying, I feel unconditional love, when they feel that and it truly comes from their heart, it's because they feel that connection. They are mm -hmm. then, then connected. But the mainstream society, you know, is very much business and power oriented, money and power oriented. That is and they just look and status and they just look for short short term benefits and um what do you think is the solution for that like um are, are you now talking about realizations that we need um things that we have to change ideas well we need to, to re reorganize our thinking I've been staying, I have also founded an institute on new paradigm research, the Laszlo Institute of New Paradigm Research, and I have a journal called the World Futures, the Journal of New Paradigm Research. So I'm talking a great deal past, in the past few years about new paradigms. We have to change basically how we think and how, because then it will change how we act. It won't change just because somebody tells us, and there's nobody really telling us on the global level. Aside from a few wise people, perhaps they would, but they don't have power anymore today. 
So we need to change ourselves. As Gandhi said, be the change that you want to see in the world. We ourselves need to adopt a new way of thinking more in line with the universe, more in line with, uh, with, with each other and with the world around us. Because that's the true nature of the human being, of any living system, to be coherent within itself and with, with the world around it. So I, I I think I get what you're trying to say, but how would this look like in actual life? Like, what would you yeah, what would you tell us? Like, ideas that you might uh, want to to share with us. Like, how would this look like? Because for me, it's like very hard to grasp. So, yeah, well, I have several chapters in this new book on on saying how to do this. You know, the practical advice. It's really what the Buddhists have been saying all along, but not only the Buddhists, any, anybody who is a, a spiritual person have been saying it. We, have, we are filling up our mind with what some psychologists call the monkey chatter, a constant chatter, or constantly just looking at the surface of things and trying to grab what we can out of it. We have to stop that. We have to allow with our deeper self to come forward. That means relaxing a bit. That means thinking a bit. Whether it's through meditation or through prayer or through uh, just going into nature or practicing a yoga. There are many, many ways we can do this. But they all have the same purpose. Allow your own deeper mind, your deeper consciousness to surface. Believe that there is more to your mind than that surface chatter and that surface of chaos in which we seem to be constantly living, there is more. And if you, are, if you just allow this to come out, relax, let go. This is the old prescription. But also you can look to science if you are willing and if you have the time and the inclination because science will tell you the same thing. The new quantum sciences will tell you there is information running all things. All things are based on information, and this information penetrates everything, and we are sharing this information. There's an imp two important words here. One I already mentioned, coherence. Everything is a, a drive towards coherence, and the other one is non-locality. Seems what forbidding. Does that mean? What does this mean? Things that happen here and now are not limited to the here and now. They are so mm -hmm. deeply intrinsically connected that what happens here is penetrates the whole network. What happens now has an effect also in the future. What happened in the past has an effect now. We are part of a space-time network that comes from the new physics and Einstein and then the quantum sciences like David Bohm and many others. They're telling us all, all of the universe is a quantum system. We are part of that quantum system and we are not separate, we are embedded, deeply embedded in this universe on a deep, deep level. And by animals live according to that because they have no other choice. Actually, they don't have a mind that can mistake it. But we can look at the surface of things and think that's all there is. That's, by the way, a mistake. It's interesting to see um, that Newton himself was a deeply spiritual person, you know, and his writings in the British Museum, they've never been commercially published, but they are available to look at and it as well how he believed that matter is not is on a surface manifestation matter has a deeper sense a deeper reality 
not just the mechanistic motions that he described with his famous laws of motion. So all, practically all scientists, all great thinkers have this, have this belief in a deeper reality. It goes back to Plato. It goes, it goes back to the Hindu seers 5,000 years ago. They have been writing about the Akashic field and the idea of, the, of something that uh, the Akashic reality, and which is a permanent memory of all things and all things being connected together. All of that has gone down half 5,000 years ago. The this, seers this were proclaiming that. Now we realize in the quantum sciences that they were right. That is how it is. We are not high, separate little things moving randomly. We are a deeply interconnected part of a quantum universe. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking about something I read a couple of days ago, and it uh, was something like, you are not only here because of your mother and um, that your grandparents had sex, but also because like of the sun and the universe and all mm. those different things that exist. So it really shows the totality of things because uh, most people only think about like, okay, what is the one thing that causes this? But um, a million different things were also involved in that, if this makes sense. You know, there was a great ecologist called Garrett Hardin, lived mm -hmm. on the coast, and he said, you can't do one thing. You can't <laughs> do just one thing, because whatever you do, it enters the whole network of things. Yeah. You probably don't do just this podcast, what, what when, sure. when you do this, you're yeah. part of our network, and hopefully it's <laughs> discussions all over. So, um... What has been uh, the second biggest um, realization or conclusion from our book? So we, we've talked about the first one being um, that we are disconnected from the source. And um, yeah, what, what is the second one? That we can reconnect. That these problems that we face today in the world is, are, are not incurable. Mm -hmm. It's really a call for reconnecting. And this <clears throat> call for reconnecting is what I consider this book that I'm just, pub I'm just going to publish to be. Because we need desperately to find a better way of living. Because as it is, <clears throat> we are going to go on the way to destroying a lot, a great part of our environment, making it less livable. At the same time, putting more and more people and more and more animals into it. And <clears throat> this doesn't go on without leading to a collapse. So it's, we are on the wrong way. And this wrong way is not incurable. We have to move a new paradigm, new way of thinking, reconnecting to the source. These are the key words, the key principles to my mind, which I'd like to leave with the reader. This is what I talk about always. This is what I write about. There we are, we are at a cusp, we are at a, at a, at a bifurcation point, at a, at a choice at a chaos point, I also called it. But this chaos point allows freedom, allows us the possibility to choose, to choose better, to reform our ways, and to become again part of this harmonious whole system, which we know as the biosphere. Even though there are conflicts and there is a food chain and it involves a certain level of local violence, but the whole system is extremely coherent, fantastically coherent. Biologists are now finding that more and more. Psychologists are finding it in the human mind. Physicists are finding it in the universe. So we have to recognize that this is a universe, despite of the conflicts and the disunities and the, and the violence that we feel all around us, on the whole, this universe 
is moving toward the higher and higher levels of coherence, of unity, of oneness, where more and more the parts that relate to each other, not only by, by yes or no, not only by positive and negative, but ultimately by a sense that young people and, and sensitive people express as love, as an attraction, feeling that we are part of one and therefore we act like we are one. And that, I think, is the key, ultimately, to moving into a thriving world. Erwin, um, at the end, I always ask a couple of questions, but we wanted to cover two of them. So um, before we cover those two questions, could you please share with us uh, where our listeners um, can buy your book and um, read more about you and so on and so forth? Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I, you, you should you should tell them also. Um, this is a book that's published by a large publisher, formerly called Macmillan. Now it's called Saint Martin's Press, and of course it's available on all the internet channels on Amazon and everywhere else. Also directly from the publisher Saint Martin's Press in in the U.S. in Macmillan in the in the U.K. and elsewhere in the world. And this uh, book also has an audio version. You can also buy the audio book. And it, it's uh, now going into several different languages, if you're interested in reading it in German or in Italian or Hungarian or in Chinese. But uh, this book is in English is going to be published at the end of March. And you can order it already, uh, wherever you are, you are today's date, whatever today's date is, it already can be ordered and can be acquired. But it will be in the bookstores as of March 24th. Got it. So um, the two questions that I want to ask here at the end is the first one being what are the most important realizations that you've had in the last couple of years? And we probably covered a, cu a couple of them already, but um, yeah, feel free to continue. Most important realizations that there is a meaning to this existence. It's not meaningless. It's not random. There's a higher intelligence perhaps behind it all. And I agree with Einstein, I agree with all the great scientists who have been saying this. And that I am part of a living universe, a growing and evolving universe, a biosphere, which is incredibly coherent, harmonious system. And I have to tend my ways, or, or, or change my ways, so that I become a positive part and not a negative, destructive part of this harmonious wholeness, which is now described in the new sciences. So that's a realization that I can, that this is, this is how I am, basically. And I can be that. And, I, and my particular mission, if you like, if you use a big word, is to bring this message so that people can allow their better selves to dominate their thinking and their acting. We all have this better self. It comes from a deeper level below the everyday happenings. Um, last question is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Well, I have, I have two sons. They are now a little bit more than that, but uh, also grandchildren. But uh, what I can tell them always is not to do things, not, uh, not to give instructions, but to allow themselves to be themselves, to follow their insights, the, the inclinations, 
not being destructive, of course. Hopefully these are not destructive, violent inclinations. But if you are a sane and sound person, you are naturally relate to other people around you and to nature around you with care, with attention, with solidarity. Be such a person. Be such a person that you like other people to be. And then you will be a happy person and you will be a good family person. You will be a good member of your society. We need such persons today. And any, any one person who decides to go on this way is a great, a great advance, a great prompting for the whole society to move. Erwin, um, thank you so much for the episode. Uh, I'm now a bit sad that we didn't do this live because I'm in Budapest right now. I know if you are here, but I, I know you're from Hungary. So um, thank you so much for the fantastic episodes and sharing your unique insights with us. So um, yeah, thank, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Enjoy your stay in Budapest. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review and subscribe. Also, make sure to share the podcast and tell your friends about it. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'll see you in the next episode. Over and out. <laughs>